Hey guys, welcome to the Lonnie Swain Show. I'm your host, Lonnie Swain. And since we are in the month of February, the month of love, Valentine's Day, right around the corner, I thought it would be a great idea to have a marriage and relationship counselor on the show. Her name is Catherine Swain. And although we do share the same last name, to our knowledge, we are not related. But she has a wealth of knowledge for us. And the first question I want to know is, how did you get into marriage and relationship counseling? Well, let's see. Um, I started off in forensic chemistry because uh, I wanted to go all in that wonderful like trace evidence and you know CSI mm, stuff. Okay. And um, realized after a while, chemistry was not my forte as I thought it was. <laughs> and so, as everyone does, they kind of go into psychology. It, it almost felt like psychology turned into like general studies because everybody was in it, mm-hmm. but did not know what they were going to do with it. And as I got to uh, senior year and realized, well, I have to have some kind of specialty, realized that I seem to have this like obsession or like even just fascination with dealing with relationships. Um, I always kind of joked that I was never really in one in college. So that was probably why. (laughs) Um, But I found out like I really had a knack for it. Like I hear therapists were like, no, I don't want to do anything with couples. That's nuts yelling in a in a therapy session and I come out of a therapy session like yes that was the best thing ever <laughs> and, and so I don't know I just I, I figured I really liked it so I decided to um find programs that dealt with couples counseling uh even sex therapy um and I I, I went with Seton Hall so and that's, so that's where I went since you've been practicing what would you say is the best way for someone to determine if you are a good fit for them or do you how do you determine if you think like oh yeah I can really help this couple I usually I tend to personally just be really open um, with everybody I tend to be very client-centered which basically means I will work with you however best you feel that works, you know, whatever helps you in the sense. I don't mind. I'm not one of these people that feel like I need to stick to one mode of uh, therapy or one theory. I will do any research or reading up if it, if I need to, to see where you're at so I can help you. But I do think in general, you have to find someone who you feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So if you find that you're not comfortable with me, then by all means, tell me, tell your therapist. That's the one thing, you know, clients tend to forget that they can actually talk about these things with their therapist. Um, they forget, they don't realize that they can actually have this conversation of, hey, so I'm not sure how I feel about how therapy is going, or I'm not sure that I feel like you're getting what um, my concerns are. And really, you know, we want you to have those conversations with us so that we can better help you or figure out that, hey, maybe this isn't a good fit for you. So it takes a little bit. That's why therapists usually don't start actually treating people right away. First couple of sessions are going to be sessions where it's I get to know you, you get to know my therapy style, and you go from there. This conversation for me is very timely because, you know, we're coming up on Valentine's Day. And so there is a big focus on love and relationships and specifically romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. And so with that being said, with couples and relationship therapy, what would you say are some common misconceptions about relationship counseling? A lot of couples may walk in feeling like their point 
is going to be heard more than the other because they come in thinking that they're right. As with a lot of times when you, when you have discourse in a relationship, you, you truly feel like you're on the right side of things. And they and, just want you to validate their perspective. Yeah. Like, tell uh, them I'm right. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, it's like, and I've actually had couples do that, like, am I right? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> let's see why you feel like you're right. Mm-hmm. Um why don't we discuss that? And we're going to discuss why this person, your partner, is not hearing what it is that you want him to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe y'all can find an understanding in this situation. Um, I also come with uh, misconceptions of one person will come into counseling and they want marriage counseling through that. And it's like, okay, well, I can help you try to see what you can bring to your relationship to try to work on it a little better. But if you want me to sit here and fix your partner and your partner's not even here, that's not even fair for your partner. Mm-hmm. One and two, I'm not a mind reader. So I can't, <laughs> I can't figure out what your partner wants. Mm-hmm. And it's just you. And would that be a red flag to you that only one partner is coming in? Because maybe it is that that's the only partner that's open to the counseling. Is that the case usually, or why are they coming alone? Not always. Um, That has been the case sometimes Mm -hmm. where one partner's like, well, I don't believe in therapy or I don't like therapy or whatever their reasons are. They don't want to come to therapy. And so you'll have one partner come. Sometimes you'll have the other partner doesn't even know the person's in counseling. Um, Mm. There's that. Mm-hmm. And, which would be a big red flag in the sense of, okay, so you're now you're lying to your partner. So now we have an even bigger issue that you feel like you're lying to your partner, but you want couples counseling. Right. Um, so, but it, it's nothing too big to where I wouldn't, I would say I can't work on it or um, I would find that, you know, it would be, I guess, ill-advised to help the person. I think the only reasons I would say to somebody that I really can't help you with something going on, if there was something particular where I had to lie to the other partner, uh, generally therapists are just like, I'm not going to lie for you. Because when you're in therapy, therapists have this thing where it's like, okay, my loyalty is to both partners, especially if it's couples counseling. A lot of times what a partner should expect is that when you come for therapy, you're going to see me individually first, and then you're going to see me together. And where I won't break that confidence of what happened in that individual session, I will tell you, don't expect me to lie. So either don't bring it up when we get together or you better talk about it. And what about the idea that people go to couples counseling or therapy only when, you know, they're on the verge of a breakup? Do you agree that that's true or do you feel that people do and should come, you know, when things are going well? I do believe that's true. Unfortunately, we'll get a lot of couples in crisis. Um, and I don't believe that's the right thing to do. But couples don't, you know, they, people try to push things off or think that they're going to work it out on their own. Or when you hear the word therapy, it's like, oh, my God. I'm it's not, over. You're doing it. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like we're not that bad. Or people think that you have to be like crazy to go to therapy. And it's like, no, like you go once a year for a checkup for your medical health, your physical health. You should go to therapy every once in a while for your mental health. And you don't have to actually have a problem. Right. 
um, I didn't fully read the story, but there is an article somewhere and I kind of glazed by it and I said I was going to go back to it where Gabrielle Union uh, talked about how her and her husband go to couples therapy. And it's not a fact of they have a problem. It's the fact that it's good for your mental health. You are two individuals with individual mindsets coming together to form a bond. You're not going to always get along. Or you're not going to always see things eye to eye. So it's okay to come in for a checkup for your mental health. And just to kind of, you know, check in to see how things are going, what could be better, what's working, what's not working, you know, all of those things. And just to kind of have a neutral party listen and give some perspective where there may be some discord, you know, you're not. Exactly. A lot of people may try to talk to like, pastor and they may try to talk to friends and everything and and I just feel like that may be a little bit too close and to your marriage whereas a therapist is pretty much trained to be there but not in your marriage like (laughs) right and after we're done you don't ever have to see me again until you come back for your next checkup right Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're not gonna see them Sunday at church and then you know at their house for the holidays like a friend or a cousin and you know and that's a great point also because I think that what happens a lot of times, I know for me personally in relationships, what I've had to learn the hard way is when you're constantly calling your best friend saying, girl, guess what he did this time? And guess what he did that week? Then now your girlfriend is giving them the side eye every time. You <laughs> even though you have decided to stick with them, you know, now that creates a awkward tension between them and the friends. Or if you're constantly involving mother-in-law or, you know, your yeah. mother you know, now it just kind of involves people in your relationship unnecessarily. And now they may have a jaded perspective or treat somebody differently because of things that you told them that should have been kept more private. I agree. Now, something that I think is also crucial is having a checkup with yourself, maybe having a personal relationship with a therapist to kind of unpack some things that you may bring into a relationship that you could have worked on in your singleness. So what are some things that you think people should work on while they're single that could be issues when they try to get in a relationship? Communication for one. I always strive for communication with um, couples, um, with individuals as well, because it just seems like a lot can get lost in translation. I usually like to discuss with couples about mindfulness and not, I guess, being more open to hearing the other person because we can get in this fear of I'm not being heard. Mm -hmm. My point is not being heard. How I feel is not being heard. And it's like, okay, but you're dealing with somebody else. Once you take in mind what someone else may be hearing, you say maybe feeling at that moment, then it, it kind of helps you to change the language and how you say what you have to say to somebody else or to that other person. You may not be so rash to yell or talk about, you know, only you or get upset at whatever it is that they are trying to discuss with you. Um, it just pretty much helps. And I think also just again, in how we talk to each other, sometimes when we get really, really upset and heated, we will say some things we don't mean. Mm-hmm. And then we can't go back from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, self-esteem and self-worth. 
I think that has a lot to do with just how you feel about yourself and how you respect yourself because definitely how you treat yourself. It shows others how they are supposed to treat you. So I guess in example, when we always see how um, a man might either not even disrespect their partner, but just do something like don't call mm-hmm. or disregard date night. Uh, and, and I'm saying guy versus girl just because we see this all the time in media, but it could definitely be the other way around. You know, if you constantly accept it, it's almost like you saying to that person, well, it's okay for me to do it. So having that self-confidence, having this sense of self-worth to say, okay, well, no, I don't accept that this needs to change now, you will actually raise the, you know, your, the expectation of that other person and pretty much either that person's going to leave because they don't know how to actually treat you right, or they're going to, they're going to change. If someone's listening right now and they are in a relationship and they are trying to figure out, you know, am I in a healthy relationship? Should I be seeking counseling? What would you say are some characteristics of a healthy relationship? Going back to that communication piece, that is one. If you feel, if if you're able to talk to your partner and you feel heard and you don't feel disrespected, that is one way to know that you're in a healthy relationship. If you generally feel satisfied on all aspects, then it, it seems like you would be in a healthy relationship. Um, and it's very general what I, what I said, and it's only because what I may find a healthy relationship and works for me may not be what works for somebody else. And I want to distinguish, this doesn't mean like, okay, if your partner yells at you, that still means it's a healthy relationship because it works for you. No, <laughs> it's just, you know, how you communicate with your partner roles you guys play in each other's lives if this is a family we're talking about what roles you guys play in um dealing with your children and dealing with family if everybody feels like they're not being overworked they're not being disrespected they feel like you know in whatever the situation is they feel like they are being heard that it's signs of a healthy healthy relationship and what would be some major red flags that you would say if this is going on in your relationship you definitely should seek couples counseling if you are not happy um if when you come home and you don't feel like this person you know even even if you and this person were having a a particular problem because that's going to come up uh problems always come up but if you feel like you are starting to look elsewhere for that safety and that happiness and it's not in your partner if you start having if you start communicating with somebody else be it man or woman about your relationship and asking questions or seeking guidance on something that you need to have that conversation with your partner about that may not that may be a sign of an unhealthy relationship. Um, if things get to the point where you both are constantly disrespecting each other emotionally and physically, again, not a sign that this is a healthy relationship. Um, I actually do remember there was one couple that I was like, I'm not sure if this is a good one for a good relationship for you guys. And it's hard to to say that to a couple because that's not what you ultimately want. But at the end of the day, as a therapist, you know, we also have to do that. We have that unfortunate duty to say whether or not 
this may work. You know, it's not always the goal to say that, okay, we're trying to fix relationships. Mm -hmm. Sometimes relationships are just not going to work out. And as therapists, we're just really there to help guide you through that journey to make that decision on your own. How has social media impacted relationships from what you've seen in your counseling sessions? Oh, father. Um, (laughs) Social media is the devil. (laughs) It could be good and it could be bad. It could be good and then it could be bad. Um, And again, another article I was reading by a wonderful um, family therapist who's like written plethora of books. She's a big expert on infidelity, particularly. And in her article, she she said that all social media has done is made it harder for people to lie. And I believe, you know, sometimes knowledge is not always power. And I feel like that leads to other things. I feel like uh, social media has led to people having a lower self-esteem, lower self-worth. I feel like social media has led to people not wanting to actually communicate appropriately. Nothing real can be said when you can't decipher tone. Yeah. Uh, And so I feel where in some instances, social media can be okay if used correctly. I feel it also damages relationships Mm -hmm. um, if you don't use it appropriately. I also feel like people use social media as a way of getting all of their answers about therapy or about, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's not always the best. I don't, I don't think social media is a good therapy Mm -hmm. tool for people. It gives people an outlet to kind of discuss some things, but I will still always, of course, being a therapist, I'm going to always advocate for people going to seek therapy. And, you know, you just really got to hunker down, do some research, figure out which therapist you want. If you're worried about costs, some therapists will start doing sliding scales, things to kind of help make sure that you can get seen. There's lots of ways for you to be able to seek some help and some guidance on things. I'm a big advocate for therapy. I personally go to a therapist regularly just because I love it. And I told someone recently because they were asking me, you know, what was your aha moment in therapy where you're like, oh, this is really working, you know, stuff like that. And I said, you know, a lot of times my biggest aha moments come after I've left my therapist's office, you know, just thinking about the conversations that we had and things like that. But I said, one of the biggest things that was necessary for me to have those aha moments was for me to go into the therapy session with an open mind and being ready to receive what was being said, to be open to doing things differently. Um, And I think that a lot of times people go to therapy thinking that a therapist is going to ma- wave a magic wand and it's like, yes, oh, you know, as soon as you walked in here and now as soon as you leave out of here, all of your problems are over and you're happy forever. And, you know, nothing's ever going to bother you. And I think that that is where a lot of people think that therapy, you know, they go to one session and feel like, oh, this isn't working. What would you say people need to kind of be aware of to manage their expectations before starting therapy or, or how can they be better prepared to go into it and get the most out of it? Um, I literally agree with everything you said. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I, I feel, you're welcome. Um, I feel like every, lots of people come into therapy and they feel, first off, getting everything off your chest, people feel like 50 times better. A lot of therapists have a hard time really keeping clients because after like two sessions, they're like, oh, we're great, we're, we're good. We stopped arguing, you know, we're glad you helped us work through some stuff. And I'm sitting here like, yeah, I only learned about you. I didn't do 
say, y'all need to come back. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We got a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but, you know, people need to keep an open mind because, you know, this isn't, this isn't like you go to a doctor's appointment and you get antibiotics to fix whatever. A lot of it has to do with you. All I do is sit here and I kind of help you work through those things. And some days you're not going to hear stuff that you like, Yeah. which again is a good thing for you to seek a therapist because a friend may not, a friend, a really good friend is going to tell you something that you don't like. And hopefully you'll take that. But a therapist is also never going to tell you something that you want to hear. They're going to tell you things that you need to hear. And if you're not open to hearing that, you're going to get mad. You're going to sit in a pool of denial. <laughs> and either way, you're not going to get better. Um, the situation is not going to get better because you'll probably turn around and be like, oh, well, no, I'm going to do this instead. And then you're still going to have a very big problem. I think people just need to come in with willing to change, being honest, being honest with yourself and being honest. Because this therapist doesn't know anything about you. Just like you don't know anything about us. We don't know anything about you. So you could come in here and lie all you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not going to help either. Um, it's actually an acronym called HOW. It's honesty, it's openness, it's willingness. You have to be willing to take everything that you hear. And even if you feel like something is not going to help you, say it's not going to help you and move on from me. You're not going to hurt your therapist's feelings. I see about five of you a day. You're not going to hurt my feelings if you feel like it, it's not that particular thing. It's not going to work for you. Just be real open to wanting that change. Because just like you you said, um, you didn't get it when you're in therapy, probably because you're in a moment. You got it when you're out there. And that's all that we can hope for is that you know we see you once a week take what we've said and think about it during the week that is the best thing that you could do so if someone's listening and they're saying man i need to get into a therapist's office like <laughs> asap what would you say are some resources i know there are online apps that people can even use if they're you know not quite ready to look a person in the face and you know have a full-on session in person mm-hmm. what which apps and and different resources do you recommend psychology today is a really big source a lot of people are on there. You can actually go onto the licensing board. That's a really big source that nobody really thinks of. You can go onto the licensing board. Insurances are another one that I'm thinking of. Um, if you have insurance, uh, some insurance panels will uh, accept mental health. And then as far as like online apps, there are a few apps. One particular um, that I'm more familiar with because I'm on the app is Talkspace. Um, and it's telemental health. Uh, it's HIPAA approved. <laughs> it's a particular program that it's very secure. You have your own room in a sense where you text your therapist. And what's really good, it's definitely good for those people who can't get out, who, like you said, are, are, don't really want to actually see somebody face to face or they may have some social problems. They don't feel like they you know, feel comfortable getting out of the house. We can reach you on Talkspace. And what's really good with that is that you'll get a message from us at least once a day. Okay. So instead of you waiting like once a week and you have something really important you want to tell your therapist, you will actually hear from us at least once a day. Mm-hmm. And you have the option to do a video message, a, um audio message, and even have like a small video session with me if you like. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. If someone wants to get in touch with you, where can they find you online? So you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as Cat the Therapist. I can answer questions. I can, you know, I'll just 
be saying some silly things. I, I'm a very silly person, so I'll probably be posting something silly or something meaningful oh, once in a while <laughs> up there, um, as well as my writings. Um, I do have a blog that I write personally, and I also blog with um, a company called We Buy Black. And com, and I have a blog, and I do a lot of the uh, relationship blogging, so I'll definitely be reposting those for your reading pleasure if you guys like. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And of course, sharing is caring. So if you know someone you think might enjoy this podcast, please pass it along. Until next time, go where you are celebrated and appreciated, not just tolerated. Have a wonderful day. I'll talk to you soon.